we're kind of walking our way through that idea. Now, last week, we started to talk about this concept of fake feelings and how fake feelings can be a part of our lives. Uh, it can be happening on the inside, and really all these fake feelings, this idea of feeling, a response to a situation, is really a warning uh, light on our dashboard. Now you see this sample of this, we saw this last week. Uh, there's 64 little warning lights, and I don't know how many there are, there could be even more of these, but really feelings are a warning light on the dashboard of our lives. It doesn't matter who we are. It doesn't matter if we're really into this thing called faith or if we're just uh, testing the waters, trying to figure out if faith has anything for us. It doesn't matter. Our feelings are a warning light. Uh, even when those feelings are not uh, accurate, maybe they're perceived feelings, maybe they're really not clear, but whatever those feelings are, when we have those responses, they're a warning light on the dashboard of our lives, and especially in, in Christian circles sometimes, we're taught to, to push back our feelings, not to connect with our feelings, to kind of ignore them and to stuff them. And the reality is, is that as a Christ follower, we're going to say that God gave you that system in your life. He gave you feelings. Now, the feelings may be not right. They may be out of alignment with how God would want us to respond, but God wants us to, to, in a sense, see those on the dashboard of our life and not ignore them. Because when we do ignore them and we don't uh, reflect on them, we don't, uh, in a sense, decode them, uh, we're in danger. And again, God put those there for us to, to get our attention and to warn of something that is at least going on on the inside. And uh, many times, though, uh, we, we just ignore them and put them away and pretend that they don't exist, and we, and we act like this. Skipper, look. Analysis. It looks like a small incandescent bulb designed to indicate something out of the ordinary, like a malfunction. Right. Rico. Manual. Mm-hmm. Problemo solved. And that's the way many of us uh, respond to that. And we're going to say, as Christ follows, the manual of our life is God's word, God's scripture, as it speaks into our life. And a lot of times the light goes off and we just, again, pretend it doesn't uh, exist. And in this case, in that example, they're running out of gas. And uh, that warning light was, was really important. So we're, we're trying to, again, digest that and see how these feelings, sometimes fake feelings, uh, sometimes perceived feelings, whatever they are, are a warning light for us, and we need to take notice of them. Uh, Solomon writes about this in Proverbs 4.20. If you turn there with me or go there, uh, you can do that on your electronic device. You can find the Bible around you. It's page uh, 440, and if you don't have a printed copy of God's Word, feel free to take that as a gift from Seneca Community Church. Or you can download that app, uh, Uversion, and uh, we find that really effective. It's a free app. And then you can have the Bible wherever your phone is, smartphone is, wherever your tablet is, computer is, and it can be there with you wherever you go. So Proverbs 4.20, we see Solomon setting up this. He's going to talk about a warning light. He's going to talk about the idea of our heart and our feelings and uh, how that relates to life and how we need to, to pay attention. He says, my son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. 
Now, when I read that and you hear that, some of us go, okay. It, it doesn't, it doesn't uh, in a sense, generate any, any sense of urgency. Uh, for those of us who have uh, found ourselves walking around the Bible and God's Word for a long time, in a sense, our familiarity breeds a contempt. It's not like, oh, wow, it's not, it doesn't mean anything to us. It doesn't really register with us. It's just, okay, and, but we're not on the edge of our seat. We're not leaning forward. We're not going, okay, here comes something important. Uh, we've, been, we've been, in a sense, programmed just to kind of, okay, and, and not go anything with it. Well, last week in Hawaii, they had some a little excitement when they all got a warning signal. That's their power player, Steven. <laughs> Putting that up with the miss. Geo's at the other. Pacific Command has detected a missile threat to Hawaii. A missile may impact on land or sea within minutes. This is not a drill. If you are indoors, stay indoors. If you are outdoors, seek immediate shelter in a building. Remain indoors well away from windows. If you are driving, pull safely to the side of the road and seek shelter in a building or lay on the floor. We will announce when the threat has ended. This is not a drill. Take immediate action measures. Repeat. It was pandemonium in paradise after that alert was sent to phones throughout the state. Now, it may seem a little overdramatic, but that got everybody's attention. They stopped what they were doing. Twelve minutes till impact. What would have to be tied to Solomon's words, God's word, for you to go, whoa! Fortunately, you have more than 12 minutes. But sometimes we just pass it off. What would, what would really have to happen for your heart to be engaged? Most of us, when we hear that buzzer on the TV, we just get frustrated because it's one of these tested, you know, and we're just like trying to find if it's on all the channels because we don't, you know, we just, we just ignore it. Well, God gives us a warning signal. And in... He doesn't want us to warn it. He doesn't want us to ignore it. He wants us to lean in and be engaged. So as Solomon says those ideas in verses 20 and 22, it's, it's like that. He's like, wake up, smell the coffee, wake up, hear what I'm going to say, engage with it, and hopefully it will produce more in your heart and your soul than just a polite yawn. It will actually engage us. And then in verse 23, he says, this is the warning. He says, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Everything you do. And, and that, should, that should, in a sense, rock our world. That should snap us out of a stupor. That God is saying, here, engage. Listen up. What happens in your heart, the feelings you have in your heart, your mind, your soul, whatever you want to call it, inside, those matter because everything in your life, everything you do flows from that. So guard it. Not be panicky, but 
pay attention. And, you know, I'm guilty of this. We're all guilty. What, what, would, what would it take? What would it really take for that to snap us to? To really see warning. The light is on. We need to guard our hearts. What do I do with these feelings? Last week, we looked at uh, David's expression, and I'm not going to read everything, but it basically David's saying, how long, Lord, will you forget me forever? And he's saying, I have these feelings. I feel like you've walked out on me. I feel like you're ignoring me. I feel like I'm at the end of my rope. We could go to Psalm after Psalm after Psalm and see David expressing his feelings. Inaccurate, accurate, whatever they are. The background of this is either Saul was after him or it was when Absalom was after him. His kingdom, his life, everything was in jeopardy. And he's saying, God, I have all this anxiety. I have all this discouragement. I, I, I feel I'm broken, and you don't seem to be upholding your end of the deal. And all of us in this room, whether we really believe in God or not, we've had those kind of feelings. If there is a God, why is this happening? And so what Solomon says to his father, in a sense, is take inventory of that heart. Take inventory of those feelings and ask why those feelings are happening and it may take you a little time it may take you a little time to digest we gave you some stories about this last week you can listen to this on youtube or watch on youtube or listen online so i'm not going to go into all the details of it but but we have to ask why those are there and figure out and sometimes it's legit but we have to ask why those feelings are there and David, as he's talking to God, getting this all out, he's saying what he's feeling, even though it's inaccurate, then all of a sudden he comes to this place where he says, but I will trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. And for this, when they hear that word salvation, some of us as New Testament Christ followers think of being saved, being born again, coming into relationship with God, saying yes to Christ, all those kinds of ideas, is that's our salvation. But when David writes it, he's thinking of an instant, a moment. You saved me from this. You saved me from this situation. So I rejoice in the fact that you've delivered me in times past. I will sing the Lord's praises for you have been good to me. You see, he, he takes his feelings and lines them up with truth. And as he lines them up with truth, he realizes that he can trust God. Even though he doesn't understand what the outcome is going to be, even if he doesn't know that Saul's going to get him or not going to get him, even if he thinks Absalom, his son, is going to kill him, and take over the throne. He, he, he still says, I can trust in God. He, he takes his feelings and decodes them. You see, the warning light was on. He just didn't smash it and ignore it and run out of gas. He, he sees it. He feels it. He addresses it. And instead of leaning away from God, he leans into God. And many times, at least in my life, I don't know about you, but many times when I'm in these moments, and they're not really moments, they're, they're periods of time, I, I want to lean away from God, not lean into God. But I've discovered that when I lean into God, all of a sudden I can get some clarity. All of a sudden I can understand why my feelings 
are there, what the source of them is. Uh, last week, we talked about fake it till you make it. And there is a point where you and I need to take our feelings and not let them rule the day, not let them control us, not let them leak out. We, we kind of keep them inside. And if you're in customer service work, uh, you've been there. You're, you're feeling horrible. <laughs> you're at the front desk, and you've got this customer, and, and they're not the most cooperative person. And you're like, how can I help you? And they're kind of not being cool. And you're like, you're putting a smile on your face, and, and you're not feeling great. Maybe you're not feeling great physically. Maybe something happened before you got to work, whatever it is. But you, you got to fake it till you make it. But there's a line. There's a line we talked about last week that eventually, if you fake it till you make it, eventually you fake it till you break it. And I can't tell you where that threshold is. I can't tell you where the tipping point is. That's the reason you got to lean into God because there's a time to go, man, I'm feeling this way. I know these feelings aren't necessarily right. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fake it till I make it. But if that's like the reoccurring thing of your theme of your life, and again, I, a week, two weeks, a day, whatever it is, you've got to figure that out with your relationship with God. I can't give you the, the time. In 92 minutes, then you got to, no, I, I can't do that. But there is a moment, if you continue to fake it, you break it, you, you are hollow on the inside, and eventually the bottom falls out. Eventually the bottom falls out. So you have to think about those things. The warning light comes on. We don't let our thoughts, our feelings necessarily control us in the moment we we we're nice when we don't feel like being nice but there's a point if that's like always we got to come to terms with it we got to figure out to brief why that is because it really is all heart it's all what's going on inside what's going on in our heart does direct the path of our lives last week we mentioned that our heart is known by god and that is good and bad in my mind. I like the fact he can connect to my heart. There's verses that talk about the Holy Spirit when you've said yes to Christ. He can actually take the groans and the aches of our heart when we can't put it into words. And he can make those into prayers and understand what's going on with that. I love that fact. But then there's the moments where I don't like it. Because God knows what's going on in my heart. God knows when I'm being self-serving. God knows when I'm being selfish. God knows when I'm working a situation around to benefit me and nobody in that influence knows that that's going. He knows my heart. He knows what's going on. So it's a catch-22, but it is all heart. So when Solomon says, guard your heart, warning, 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 he's talking that... God knows exactly what's going on in there. But the amazing thing with God is he doesn't force himself on us. So even when your heart is way out of whack, bitterness, resentment, anger, jealousy, I don't know, whatever it may be, just ego, pride, he doesn't force himself in. Knocks on the door of our heart, waits for us to open it up. But he knows. So no matter where you're at this morning, if you're, if you're heavy, heavy, heavy under life, it's heavy lifting time, God knows your heart. 
going to celebrate communion in a few moments, and that's a reminder that Christ came to earth, gave his life, lived the human experience. Christ knows those experiences. He experienced them firsthand. He felt them. He didn't just read about them. He just didn't observe them. He's been there. So he knows our heart. So that's a good thing. But he also knows our heart when we're playing games. We say one answer, but that's really not a reflection of our heart. He, he understands all of that. Our heart determines the direction of our life. Yeah, there's just no way, the way you're bent, the way, the way you look, your attitude, your perspective, all those kinds of things determines the direction of life, determines the way you respond to life. Also, we saw that our heart is a place we hear God's voice. We read, my heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I am coming. Now, honestly, the Lord doesn't get that response from me every time. But he does get that response. He speaks to us within our hearts, within our souls. So, so we want to make sure there's the least amount of static on the line that's possible. We want to make sure that from our side, we've done everything that it takes so there's no obstacles. So our heart is extremely important. We want to read the warning signs. We want to understand what is going on. We want to slow down and we want to reflect on our heart. We want to say, why do I feel this way? Am I just ignoring something? What am I to do with that? Because that's the place we hear God's voice. So if that's the place we hear God, we filter what we're hearing from him, how he's leading, how he's directing through where our heart is. And if there's a lot of static on the line, we may not hear everything. Uh, one of the major ways that you and I uh, hear God's voices and respond to reading his word, he speaks to us through his word. He speaks to our heart. And we want to make sure that we're getting it. We want to make sure that we're not missing something. Because even just a little bit off can get us into another place. And we don't want to get into that other place. You see, we want to make sure we're sustaining a guarded heart. We want to sustain it. We want to not only sustain it, I might even add, we want to feed it. And so we start with our heart, we look at our heart, and we let God examine our heart, and we're going to talk about that, and we say, what's going on in my heart? And I, I want to be able to, to, to hear it. I want to be able to read your word, listen to a message, have someone speaking into my life, have a situation unfold in a certain way, and actually see, hear you. I don't want to miss it. I don't want to get one thing off. So we just need that sustaining heart. I want to tell you a story, uh, David Gibbs, you may have heard of him, Junior, he's into legal things, um, tells a story about when his family rented a camper. And I think as you hear this story, I'm, I'm, not, I'm gonna show it's a little old school, I'm gonna show him telling this story about when they rent this camper and all of a sudden a warning light goes on, how they respond and what happens. And I think we can learn something from the, the moral of the story, the ideas that he shares, to what we're talking about this morning. Well, I'm telling you, there's a little red light in the hall, and it's glowing really 
right. I didn't even notice one there. I walked in, took a look. Man, it's about the size of a dime. I mean, that thing was lit like a flashlight. I said, I don't know what it means. Get the book. Lights, hall. There it was. It said, when that light comes on, your holding tanks are full. <laughs> How many of you know what holding tanks are? <laughs> For those of you not conversant in the fine art of motor homing, all the stuff from the toilet and everything else has to go into a tank. And when you've got three kids, a lot goes into the toilet. I mean, you've got that thing. And it was time to dump the tank. And it gave very specific instructions. It said, find the little air nozzle right by the rear tire. And it said, put 10.5 pounds of air pressure in the holding tank. only I didn't see that little dot. <laughs> it's a very small dot. I thought it said, put 105 pounds of air in. Now, there's air right there, air, water, everything. And I told my wife, I'll do the hard part. I'll put the air in the tank. I said, you come over here. And when I give you the high sign, you just have to do that. Now, while I'm explaining her part to her, another vehicle pulls up. And it is fresh, brand spanking new from the factory. The most drop-dead, gorgeous, converted bus you have ever seen. I mean, it pulls in. It dwarfs my little motorhome. The guy with the bus gets out and he said, you like my bus? I said, whoa, yeah. He said, I just got it from the factory. There's not a bug on it. I said, no kidding. His wife said, that's right. We hit two bugs driving here and he got out and wiped them off. He said, do you know why I'm here at the dump station? I said, no idea. He said, I want to get the dust out of my tanks. I said, man, you are fastidious. <laughs> now my wife tugged on my coat and she said, come on, we got more than dust in ours. Let's get back to work. <laughs> so I said, okay, babe, you stay here. I'll go here. After a couple of minutes, my wife comes around. And she said, what's taking so long? I said, to do it right takes time. I'm doing it right. That answers everything. She said, well, I got a question. I said, what's the question? She said, if you look in there by the tire, you see that metal tank? I said, yeah. She said, why is it bulging? 
I said, it's made to do that. That's what it does. Finally, I told my wife, pull the valve. When she pulled that valve, that stuff in that holding tank come whooping down that hose, and that hose stood up. <laughs> And that hose is going all over that brand new bus. <laughs> he had a screen window right there. <laughs> we had stuff in that hose went almost 150 feet. <laughs> we painted that bus from one end to the other. I came around the corner, here's my wife hugging that hose, <laughs> saying, help me, Jesus, help me. Now you know why I showed it and tried to, instead of trying to tell you. He paid attention to the warning light, but he didn't pay attention to the manual. Likewise, you and I, Paying attention to the warning light is just halfway there. We need to pay attention to the manual if we're going to sustain a guarded heart. Because when we don't, the holding tank of our heart gets filled with some pretty gross junk. And we never know when it's going to spray out and when it's going to paint somebody else's life, if you will. So this isn't just about you. This isn't just about me. It's about the people in our lives. So feelings, even fake feelings, dealing with them, seeing them, not ignoring them, but then taking those feelings and aligning them to what God would say we do with those feelings, the way God would say we think about things is of utmost importance. And, and I'll, I'll say this, you know, sustaining a guarded heart is not a Sunday morning only event. It's not a listen to some Christian radio station and hear the little thought for the day. It's more than that. It's engaging with the manual, the one who wrote the manual, which is even better. You, you've got him, in a sense, on the line because he speaks in our heart as we lean into that manual. So just a couple ideas about sustaining a guarded heart. First of all, we need to keep up on our heart's condition. This probably has never happened to you, but I can be, ha be, have my heart in a good place, be aware of the condition of my heart, and kind of take my eyes off the road of my heart. And if I do that for too long, all of a sudden I'm, I'm not thinking about the condition of my heart. So we need to keep up on our heart's condition. And again, that's why I'm going to say this idea of engaging with God on a personal daily time is of so importance because that's, that's when I check in and see how my heart's doing. That's where I find out what the condition of my heart is. 
read, search me, O God, and know my heart, and try me and know my thoughts. This isn't because God doesn't know that. He's, he's saying, bring this to my attention. See what's going on in my life. See where my heart is misaligned with the way it ought to be. Check in with me. Most of us shy away from that kind of reflection. Because if we're honest, we don't want to know the condition of our heart. If we're honest, we kind of already know the condition of our heart. But if we're going to guard our heart, we need to know the condition of our heart. And we can't do that by ourselves. We're, we're, not, we're not savvy enough. We're not uh, honest enough. We're not insightful enough. So we need God to search our heart and then share with us what he's discovered, what he knows. And what's wonderful about God, what's wonderful is that, that when he searches our hearts, he gives us just enough to work on. I love that about him. Because if, if God searched my heart in this moment and let me know all the places I'm out of alignment with him, I couldn't function. I'd be a broken person because I'm not there yet, and neither are you. And so he gently comes alongside us, and when we say, tell me what's out of alignment, know my heart, give me something to work on so that I can be tighter in relationship with you, he'll gladly do it. And then we've got to respond to that. See if there be any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way of everlasting. Sometimes we read that word everlasting, we're thinking heaven, eternal life, and yeah, that's a part of it. But that leading me in the way is, is the way we live today, the way you live tomorrow. It's lead me in the way of the Savior. It's lead me in the way that God would have me to be. So lead me in those ways. Help me to make course corrections in my life. Tell me what the condition of my heart is, because it starts in the heart. And if I can have you help me to tweak and reflect and reveal in my heart, eventually, if it's real heart action, if it's real transformation, it shows up on the outside. I love the fact about God. He starts on the inside. He starts with the problem, not just the symptoms. And he does that. Know the condition of my heart. Let me, let me keep up on that. Let me keep working on that. And then lead me in the new way where, where I work on that area. Knowing the condition of our heart means that uh, we don't cozy up with evil. And some of us have gotten comfortable with that. And evil may seem, wow, that's a heavy word. But, but don't let me cozy up to it. Don't let me be comfortable with it let me let me not be at home with it let my conscience be in such a way that it bothers me not bothers me in a judgmental way of the world but bothers me in a way that i just don't want to be cozy with it i'm a crazy guy i haven't had an opportunity in a while but i love to winter camp and uh, i love getting into my 30 degree below bag when it's like 10 degrees outside and i'm just cozy in there I don't want to get out. I'm very comfortable. 
call of nature at night. You're going, I'm so cozy in here. I, do, I, I think I'm just going to wait till morning. And you have this, because I'm so cozy and comfortable. I'm not getting up. Some of us are cozy with it. And we need God to shed it, shed his light and search our hearts. So we're not cozy with it anymore. Because when we're cozy with it, we don't listen. Again, he's not going to force himself on us. So some of the reasons sometimes we say, well, I don't hear from God. He doesn't lead in my heart. It's because he has been leading, and you and I have been cozy with evil, and he stopped pushing us because he knows our hearts. Oh, Lord, help me to walk with you. Help me to do what's right today. Help me not to be selfish. Help me not to think. And, and, then, and then we don't respond. He goes, okay, here's, here's what you need to do. And we go, okay, thank you. And then we don't do it. it don't, we, we don't integrate into our life. And finally God says, you know, I'm getting blue in the face here. You keep asking for but you really don't want. Since I know your heart and know you don't have an intention in growing in this area, I'm just going to back off until you do what I said last week, last month, six months ago, two years ago, whatever it may be. It goes on. But he mostly surely did listen. He came on the double when he heard my prayer. Don't you want that kind of condition in your heart when you lean into God and you say, search my heart? And because you're not, not because you're perfect, but because you're not cozying up to the things that he's revealed, shouldn't you shouldn't cozy up to. You've dealt with them or you're in process with them that all of a sudden when, when you call in his name, you're aware of him, you're aware of his presence. Some of us aren't aware of God's presence it's because we're cozying up to things that we shouldn't cozy up to. And I can't tell you what those are. We're all in different places in our spiritual journey. If you're really serious about that, you can figure that out. Don't take much work. But that's one reason there's this disconnect where we say, well, God seems so distant so far. Because we've cozied up to these things. Read on. Teach me your ways, Lord, that I may rely on your faithfulness. Give me an undivided heart that I may fear your name. Sometimes that's a, the prayer of my life. Lord, I have a divided heart. I don't want what you want. And sometimes it has to start at that most basic level. Lord, help me to want what you want. I'm not even at the whatever it is. I just, I just want to want what you want. Remove that divided heart. It's a, it's a two-faced heart. I want this, but I don't want it. And it, it goes back and forth, and it, it demonstrates itself on the outside, or sometimes I just live in turmoil on the inside because I'm faking it till I'm making it, and I'm actually breaking it, and I'm finding that my spiritual life, I, I go, this isn't even real because I divide this. I can't get through it. And, and some of it's because, again, we cozied up. We, don't, we have this divided heart. We have to know the condition of our heart if we want a sustaining to sustain a guarded heart. Also, we need to keep up on our heart's contents. What is in there? What do we allow in there? What do we, what do we kind of lean into? Thoughts, actions. Because eventually, whatever that is, it comes out. And I don't say this because then you're embarrassed, but when it comes out, it touches other people's lives. And we should be more concerned about that than, than our agony to some degree. But it all starts in the heart. So when we guard it, you talk about, and this goes on after verse 23, it says, avoid perverse talk. 
hurtful talk, coarse talk, mean talk, nasty, unthink, all those kinds of things. Avoid that stuff. Stay away from corrupt speech. Heart shows up in our speech. Look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you, where we look, what we let in to our lives comes through the eye gates. How are we doing with that? What are we, what are we letting in to our lives? Mark out a straight path for your feet. You see, see where our heart is, eventually our feet end up. Stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your heart, keep your feet from following evil. You see, we got to ask, what's the content? What's in there? What do we think about? What's bouncing around in the walls of our heart? If we're going to keep up on sustaining a guarded heart, we, we need to really be, be guarded about that, be aware of that, not in a prude way, not in a, a, a judgmental way, but in a, in a, in a, in a self-examination way. Because again, it determines the course of our life. Read in Psalm 101, I will not look with approval on anything that is vile. We could spend some time. Ask, is our entertainment source vile or not? We talked a lot about that this summer when we talked about what a Christian can do or not do. So you can go back and look at that. Do I look at approval of those things? Do I kind of enjoy those things? Whatever it is, is it, is it vile? I, I need to I need to stay away from that. I, I need to. It doesn't mean I remove myself from the world, but it, I don't let the those things into my content of my heart. You've probably heard something like this before: an entire sea of water can't sink a ship unless it gets inside. Similarly, fake feelings can't pull you down unless you allow them to rule your heart. You let them get inside. Goes on and says, I hate what faithless people do. I have no part in it. And it doesn't say I hate faithless people. I hate what they do. I have no appetite for it. It doesn't taste good to me. I, I stay away from it because I guard the content of my heart. Very familiar passage to some of us, and this has been a, a really good sustaining the content of my heart personally, is this verse. And I can remember memorizing it, and it's finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble. I used to always remember to start by true noble. Remember true noble in Russia? I go, how's that verse go? Oh, yeah, whatever, true noble. True, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is admirable, whatever is lovely. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. And uh, those things are the content of my heart, or I want them to be content of my heart. So I ask myself, when I'm putting my head down on my pillow, what am I thinking about? When I have a free moment and my mind can wander, what's, what resonates with me? What do I enjoy? What do, what do I like? And, and to guard my heart, I have to recall this, or concepts like this. So I I just don't have a vacuum in my heart. I replace one thought with another thought. 
because the content of our heart eventually shows up on the outside of the way we interact with the world around us. Also, we need to keep up on our heart's communion. Love that this Sunday is, is Communion Sunday. We need to think about what, what communion really means. Communion is a, is a really good word. Uh, when you think of it, what do you think of it? Do you think of like the Lord's Supper? Or, or do you think, what else do you think of? Communion has the idea of my relationship with God. I, I commune with God. You see, when we celebrate communion, we're reminding ourselves that we have this relationship with God through Jesus Christ because of what he did on the cross for us. So we can have communion. We can have a relationship with him. And it's just not communing with him in a one-moment time during the day. Let's say you've kind of checked that one off your list and you say, well, I'm doing pretty good spiritually because I spend time with God, you know, five out of seven days a week, and I'm doing pretty good at that. I get up earlier, I stay up late, or whatever you do that. Uh, but it's supposed to be so much more. It's supposed to be like it opens up a conversation with him that lasts all day long. I'm in communion with God. I, I'm kind of always in that place where if need be, or if I, I can just kind of start talking with him. I, I have this relationship. And, and I'm hungry for it, and it actually satisfies me. It actually fills the, the void in my heart. It, it fills that empty spot. And it, 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 it's good. So I keep up on my heart's communion. See, see what I'm really about in that area. I love what Psalm says. You satisfy me more than the richest feasts. That, that, that's communion. I, I will praise you with songs of joy. I lie awake thinking of you, meditating on your thought, thought on, on you through the night. Sometimes I've had to really train myself. When I wake up in the middle of the night, I can't sleep, and I'm irritated about that. Very irritated about that. And I was like, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. This is an opportunity for me to check in and commune with God. Maybe there's something on my heart. And waking up in the middle of the night now, not always, but occasionally I can go, this is great. Two o'clock in the morning, and here I am talking with God. I'm communing with him. Rather than going, oh, I gotta get to sleep, gotta get to sleep, I got too much to do tomorrow, I'm too bad. You know, communing with him and actually liking that. I love the fact when I wake up half an hour, an hour before my alarm is set, and I've got extra time with him. Communing with him. Meditating on you through the night, because you are my helper. I sing for joy in the shadows of your wings, protection, but joy. You, song of my heart. I cling to you. Your strong right hand holds me securely. All these ideas securely. Uh, we talk about financial peace and you know, we want security in life, don't we? That that kind of causes us, yeah, I want financial peace. I want peace. I want I want security and I want to be able to rest on something that is sure, not just bubblegum for my head. And so I keep up on my heart's communion that, that seems to seems to take place for me I've got another passage that talks about this idea of pondering and thinking and, and, and practicing what, what's written in his word and then what I love when, when, when this happens that connection with God is strong enough the static on the line is, is, is less enough that there's clarity and you actually can hear God, and actually you can say, God is 
is, is my friend. I have a friendship with God. And because I'm friend with God, that means I start to value his worth in my life, and he's worth it all, and it, and it shows up on the outside because I have this friendship with him. Now my life changes because it cannot help but change because my inside has changed. And, and I now have a val- have value him so much. And I love what this verse says. It says, God friendship is for God worshipers. That friendship, that worship, they are the ones he confides in. He's the, they're the ones that he talks with. If you're not really on friendly terms with God, even if you said yes to him a while ago, if you're really not a, a worshiper for his, then, then again, he comes back to this. He, that's where he speaks to you in his heart. He's not confiding in you. But when there's friendship, and that friendship shows up in the way you interact with your world, then he shows up in your life, and you find that he confines in you, and he's there. The secrets of our hearts, the fake feelings, whatever they may be, are not secrets to God. The secrets of our hearts are not secrets to God. And as I said earlier, that can either make you go, wow, that's great, or that can freak you out. But the bottom line comes back to this, we've got to deal with what's going on in our hearts. And we need to understand that our feelings are there by design. There are warning lights on the dashboard of our lives, and he gives those to us freely and wonderfully. We should embrace them. We should respond to them. And then we can enjoy that sustained heart that walks with God and finds that we're happy that there are no secrets from him, especially in our hearts. Let's pray. Father, we are uh, humbled by the idea that, first of all, you, you care about us as individuals and that you care enough about us to know our hearts. And, uh, and then we then we're take a step back because we realize that the games that we play, you see right through that. But you don't push yourself on us. Father, I ask that you'd help us to deal with the feelings of our hearts, fake, real, whatever they are, and that we bring them in alignment with you and enjoy the communion that comes from that. If there's anyone here this morning that uh, has not said yes to you, as we move into communion, as we talk more about what that entails, I pray that their hearts would be open. And for those of us who have said yes to you, I ask that we wouldn't let this warning from Solomon just kind of slip off our minds and let it go so another week goes by another month goes by where we ignore our feelings we 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 fake it until we make it and we find that we're actually breaking it i thank you that you care enough to be involved again on that personal level with each one of us we thank you in jesus name amen